0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm
1: Steve. I'm Sarah.
0: I'm Erica. And today we're going to be doing an episode focusing on Eli Roth's films. We're specifically looking at films that Eli Roth wrote and directed. We're going to be covering the movies Cabin Fever from 2002, The Green Inferno from 2013, and Knock Knock from 2015. so
2: hot help me i need, need a doctor i don't want to get sick i don't want any of us getting sick we just don't want to get it help! i see we got here right now he's coming towards us all right back off oh. he looked like he was skinned alive the party man is it safe don't
1: worry i'm healthy leave it alone somebody help i'm burning
0: So the first movie we're going to be talking about is Cabin Fever. It was released in 2002. It focuses on a group of teenagers who go camping in a cabin in the woods only to get infected by a flesh-eating virus or bacteria. Uh, They... Catch it by killing a man who is infected with it, and his body falls into the water that they drink. Gross. So, uh, the movie was Eli Roth's first big film that he had done.
3: Did a little cameo in it. Yeah. Justin. Yep. Justin the skater, dude.
0: When he came on, Sierra was like, dude, Dylan, that is your spirit animal right
3: there. I was <laughs> super impressed with the fact that this had Sweet Lou in it. If anybody's ever seen grind, yeah. It, he dried. Dried.
0: yeah. <laughs> I first recognized him from Super Troopers. I was like, wait, that's the kid from the beginning of Super Troopers. he was one of
3: the teenagers that got pulled over, and then I'm like, I know him from something else, though, and I'm watching I'm like, that's Sweet Fucking Lou from Grind. <laughs> first off, Grind was one of my favorite movies, and Sweet Lou was my favorite, because he always tried to pick up younger people. It also Sweet had... Lou cleans no man's food.
0: <laughs> it also had Tommy from Scary Movie 2, Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. Yeah, that's
1: a big I one. always look at this movie as, like, a continuation of the Boy Meets World universe. <laughs> like to it's be, hard so, like, to, like, it, after yeah. After they got out of college, after Angela left them.
3: <laughs> Boy Meets World, the rough years. <laughs>
0: That's, uh, I can see it. This kind of has a funny story that went along with it. With Boy Meets World, um, when they were filming one of the scenes, Ryder Strong like walked off in the woods to like, get some air. He was completely covered in blood from filming, and uh, he like stumbled upon a group of schoolgirls who were on a field trip in the woods wherever they were and um, they saw him and they started freaking out because he was covered in blood and they are like screaming and then they realized who he was and they started freaking out even more they chased him through the woods until he made it back on film set and that was Syrah's favorite uh, field trip.
1: Ridershot was- <laughs> <laughs> Strong may or may not have been my first crush. I,
3: okay, and I text Sierra this earlier in the week, mm. but the, every time that I think that her and Kyle cannot get any more alike, first thing out of Kyle's mouth when I said I had to watch this, he's like, oh, it's God, what's his name for Boy Meets World? And I was like, <laughs> God. I
1: loved Boy
3: Meets
1: World. If <laughs> he said those exact words,
3: actually. <laughs>
1: it's a great show. It is a great show.
0: Okay, we're not talking about Boy Meets World. I agree with you, but... Kevin We're Jever. doing an episode on it. <laughs> yeah, so, I like the movie. I think it has a really good blend of, like, comedy and, like, really gruesome shit. Sierra absolutely hated it, so... <laughs>
1: well, I would say absolutely hate. It had Ryder Strong in it, so it was semi-okay.
0: See, I, I'm really excited to hear everybody's opinions on all of the movies in this episode, because, A, they're all such different movies, which is one of the reasons I love Eli Roth's work, because he always ha- has something completely different come out. B... Yeah. Everybody has totally different opinions on all three of the movies that we watched, as far as I know. Steven, I don't really know where you lean towards all of these, but
3: um, I'll definitely I'll definitely give my opinions. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I really liked Cabin Fever. Um, I liked, like Dylan said, I really liked the like comical relief that you got out of it, but it didn't take away from the movie, and I know that was something that we discussed last week that Dylan said with yeah. uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown was that that comical relief kind of took away from the movie, and while I didn't feel that way last week, I still don't really feel that way about this one. I actually think that it kind of, uh, it definitely made it a little bit stronger, too. The characters were believable.
0: Yeah. I love the uh, the one guy, I don't know his name, the one that had the hat on, the FU hat. The get- that was hunting yeah. squirrels, yeah.
3: He reminded <laughs> me of um, Matt from Grind. Yeah. It wasn't the same guy though, because I, <laughs> no. I actually I looked it up. No, but
0: he he had me dying laughing like the entire movie.
3: <laughs> when he lit the the fire pit <sighs> on fire, but it wasn't the fire was pit. He laugh, like burned all it.
0: And then when the uh, the townspeople <laughs> come later on and they're looking, they're like they're doing some non Christian shit here or some shit like that. <laughs> but uh, no, I I think the effects in the movie were awesome. Like the shaving scene I want to talk about, like, Sarah could not fucking watch it. No, and no that traumatized
3: hey, the shit out of me.
1: It's not because the scene was gruesome. It's because my cousin Brooke cut herself shaving like, every time she ch- shaved. And it's like, that's like a fear.
3: <laughs> no, I went like no shit. When I was in school, I had a friend who I don't know how she managed, but she took her whole shin off with that's a shave a with a razor. Shaved. Yes, okay. like took a oh thing off, and that scene—that's exactly what it reminded me of, and it gave me like it just fucking oh that you
1: you know the fear when you yeah when you shave you picture that that scene from Cabin Fever you're exactly you're like
0: please don't take a hunk out of my leg. Well, I think just the fact that she's like hysterically crying while she's doing it, like and the sound that it makes, which I was looking... I was watching some interviews with Eli Roth, and uh, he actually said that when he was making that scene he thought of when he was a kid shoveling snow and the sound that the snow shovel makes when you get to the bottom of where like the snow ice, is, like scraping on uh, the uh, blacktop. So the way they got that sound was him and a bunch of people on set were running around like scraping shovels on different pieces of ground until they got like the perfect sound for it. And that's what they played over while she was oh my God, shaving.
3: Damn, that makes my, that literally gives me like the willies thinking
1: about <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was like watching it and I was like, Mm -mm. like cringing for people who can't see my now.
3: the effects though like for just like all of the um, all of the different scenes with the the flesh coming off Mm -hmm. was really believable like they did it they did it really well where it wasn't like it was believable it wasn't like too over the top and it wasn't like it actually the scene where uh, right after Ryder Strong gets done banging his uh, friend's girlfriend Mm -hmm. uh, her back was like all scratched up and that Mm -hmm. shit looked real as fuck
1: See, that's one of the scenes that really messed this movie up for me because it's like everyone's dying and the girl's like, oh, I feel like I'm on a plane that I know is going to crash and you're just like, I'm just going to fuck the person next to me because, like, why not? And then, like, you see Ryder Sharma like, look up at her and he's like, seriously? And, like, and they just fuck. I'm like, first off, your boyfriend is MIA, who's, yeah, I'm questionable about him. He, I, he's got to be gay. And then his girl, his, <laughs> he's into the girl that he's into is dying in the is shed. Dying in the shed, like rotting, <laughs> like her face is falling off. And in this time, somehow you find the urge to have sex. Like the vision of of flesh rotting off of someone's face is enough for me to say. In his know.
3: defense, after his last attempt at banging somebody in this movie. <laughs> This one was at least (laughs) executed successfully because the first time was not point zero.
1: Maybe it wasn't the water.
0: I like how dramatic too. I like how dramatic too. Like Sarah pointed out when we're watching the movie, because you know that the bacteria is in the water, and it's like any time they like go and they're about to take a sip of the water, and they stop, and it's like this dramatic music's playing, and it's like it almost seems funny because you're like freaking out, like, don't drink the water, don't drink the water, like, something so simple as drinking water. (laughs) Adding on to what Sierra said, though, that scene where the girl says, like, it's like you're on a plane that's bound to crash and everybody around you screaming and stuff, when they were doing casting for the movie, that was the line that all the girls auditioning had to say, like, they had to do that part. The auditions were held on September 11th, 2001, and they actually had to cancel the audition because they were like there's no way we're doing this on this day absolutely not that's
2: crazy yeah yeah um I enjoyed this movie actually a lot it was right for it's time as far as the comedy goes because like during that era of like the early 2000s like that's when like the National Lampoon movies were getting big and like Scary movie, well, I even though it started in, like, 1999, like, it really started taking off. So, like, there was, like, a lot of, like, mixture of, like, comedy and horror around that time. So I guess like it was just kind of with the times thing for me, but it worked so well, and like the cast was just perfect. Uh, just seeing Sweet Lou from Grind and what's his name from Boy Meets World and dude that was uh, squirrel hunting. I remember him from a movie called Detroit Rock City, and I loved him in that movie. So it was it was That's nice right. to see he him. Kind of movie? Yeah. I, yeah, I think there were
0: a few people in this movie that were in Detroit Rock City, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Probably. I. I it was just. It was cool to see him because he was almost kind of like the same character. Like, he's just really good at playing like the I don't give a shit goofball kind of character. But when it came time for the horror scenes, Eli Roth like really delivered. Uh, I remember my mom and her ex-husband, they saw this movie before I did in theaters and they were absolutely repulsed by it. Like, I just remember my mom going on about her saying it was the most disgusting thing she had ever seen at the time. So I was like, huh, that just made me even want to watch it more. So, right when it came out on DVD, like, I definitely picked it up, and, uh, you know, the gore scenes, uh, Eli Roth, whoever he picked to do the effects, did a great job, because they definitely did look realistic, and uh, <laughs> the part with the girl's face coming off, yeah. man, what, what a sight that is when it finally <laughs> reveals her, it's just, it felt like, even the puking of the blood, and again, the shaving scene, I like how, like, at first, it doesn't happen right away, but the way the camera focuses on the razor, you know, yeah. like something's gonna happen, and then it finally starts happening. And that, was, that was pretty nasty too, and I could understand why people would definitely be uncomfortable. Like when I was a kid, I split my chin open with a razor blade, thinking, "Oh, look at me, I could shave." Mm-hmm. And then, just one wrong flick at the bottom of my chin did it, and it was like it was a mess. So. Well,
0: I think it kind of brought
2: me back to that
0: too. Yeah, I think the fact too that like you, Sierra, Erica, like everybody has a story that they can somewhat relate to. That I I think it just adds. I think it just adds to it. Yeah, no, the girl whose uh, the girl whose face came off, the girl that uh, was. With Ryder, Ryder Strong. Ryder Strong's Bay. Yeah, she, um... I actually almost didn't recognize her at first, but she plays
3: Penelope in Club Dread. <laughs> when they walk up on the hillbilly hacking the pig apart, she's, like, ripping on that shit. They're all, <laughs> like, you can see, like, the, the... Just the cringeworthiness of their faces was pretty good. I think any moment that it showed the people from that area was just really cringy. Like,
0: the, the people in the uh, convenience store, uh-huh. Dennis... <laughs> Oh my god That mullet That
3: mullet (laughs) Not even getting into that mullet (laughs) Not going there
0: Uh, Pancakes It it made it for me when he jumps up and starts doing like kung fu And is like doing backflips and shit (laughs)
2: I want to know what
0: Eli Roth was thinking when he was like, I want you to do this. Dude, I don't even know. And then yell <laughs> I don't even know what goes through Eli Roth's head because he puts some weird shit, shit in the movie. In movie. And
2: it's funny because,
0: you know, he's made some fucked up movies. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, he made Hostel. And I wanted to go over Hostel, but I wanted to save Hostel for its own episode, which is why we kind of squeezed uh, Knock Knock in there, which we've had some uh, debate it's that debatable. it's not a horror movie, but
2: yes, definitely I could debate We'll touch on that. On that. Sure. Yeah,
0: we'll touch on it. But um I, I wanted to save Hostel for its own episode. He's one of those directors that really just does whatever the fuck he wants to do, but he's still a very mainstream director, I would say.
1: Which I think is weird cuz like I don't think he's he's a good director some of his movies are good but i don't think he's great
0: i wouldn't say any of his movies are masterpiece movies but i have yet to watch an eli roth movie that i did not have fun watching
2: definitely completely agree with that uh yeah and that's honestly he seems like a fun individual when i watch his uh interviews and he's definitely someone who's been um around the film scene for a while even like when he was going to school um he, uh, there was a filming company called uh, Trauma, yep, and they put out, like, uh, the Toxic Avenger films and a bunch of other films in, like, the late 80s and, like, 90s and so on. So he spent a lot of time around, like, Lloyd Kaufman and, like, a lot of his, like, uh, troop of people that would work on Trauma films, uh, mainly as, like, a little, like, small background person appearance in movies, but I feel like that exposure to him being around that environment really helped shape him into the director that he is today. And uh, I just, like I said, he just seems like such a fun person who's pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to make a film, depending on his idea of it, like he'll back it, you know? Yeah, I
0: yeah, I mean anybody who's hosted Shark Week is good in my book, so... <laughs> uh,
2: like, I think he's got uh, a big respect for the horror genre too and that's another reason why I'm like a big Eli Roth fan and it, it started when I watched one interview with him called What's in My Bag and he was pretty much just like Blu-ray shopping and he was talking about like all the films he picked out and like what he loved about them and uh, you know you could see some of his influences in there like where he does like certain mods, I think to certain directors like uh, even when making Inglorious Bastards which he helped out in Uh, Brad Pitt had never watched a horror movie before and uh, Eli Roth sat him down on set and him and Quentin Tarantino showed him the shark for zombie in the movie zombie and then like after that Brad Pitt's like I have to watch this movie and like I guess he was like messaging like Eli Roth throughout the production like talking about zombie and like oh this movie's crazy so like I don't know I just I appreciate like his admiration for like other directors and, like, just kind of spreading their influence, you
0: know? Yeah, I love, too—I was watching an interview with him, and he uh, he was talking about, like, if any horror movie can make you vomit, that's what he considers a good horror movie, because it and, does— And
2: Zombie did that for me.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I read was the way he got into <coughs> filmmaking was he watched the original Alien— and it made him throw up, and he instantly wanted to make movies after watching that. <laughs> he started shooting short films a on a
3: Super story. 8 camera. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Getting back to the movie, um, this was, again, it was fun. It was so fun to watch. I and liked it. it.
3: I really enjoyed it, and I, I've seen this before, so I just, it was like a, a revisit for me, and I still enjoyed it watching it a second time, which I, <laughs> for me, and it's it takes a lot for me to, I remember a lot of things, and I remember a lot of details, so it takes a lot, like a movie has to be really like awesome for me to even watch it twice or like <laughs> three times or four times like I have to really enjoy it in order to do that books are the same way like I have to really be into it to read it more than once so um, to watch it again and still enjoy it as much as the first time I enjoyed it I thought it was definitely a success that way I um, I don't know if anybody else felt this way but I, I kind of got uh, a little bit of uh, evil dead vibes from it in the the beginning when they were going up to the cabin. Like, kind of driving through the woods and then, like, going into the cabin and stuff, it felt a lot like, um... Like, with the color and the scheme of everything, it kind mm-hmm. of reminded me well, of Well, I mean, it's dead. a
1: similar plot, plot, Yeah.
3: Yeah. Bringing up color, like you said,
0: like, how, the random, like, when the screen would just go completely red, mm-hmm. and, and it would, like, go up in the trees, and it would go red, and... Yeah, I, just the way that, like, certain scenes like that were filmed where it just went red, and, like, the dog's eyes, like... When you were seeing through his eyes, it was red. Speaking of the dog, when he's eating the fucking girl that's like rotting in the shed, that that part got me too. That was
2: pretty nasty. <laughs> and then like what, he kills off that one girl, right? That sweet, loose girlfriend. He yeah. starts eating her up. Yeah,
0: he like tears her apart.
2: Uh, how about Winston? Oh my fucking God, he is the <laughs> best
0: part of this movie. <laughs>
2: hey you guys Holy gonna shit. drink beer you gonna party like I was He's, like
0: oh you're the, this oh you're the party guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes dude uh okay I for some like it just made me think of it but the um the end of the movie when Ryder Strong is like getting brought into the hospital where he sees like the fucking bunny rabbit yeah that
2: was so crazy for some
0: reason like it was creepy it was, but it was so like out of yeah. nowhere like I was just like where did this come from <laughs>
2: That was almost like a weird Rob Zombie moment right there. It was, me.
0: yeah. It reminded me a little bit of The Shining, where they find the mm-hmm. uh, the guy and the dog, or the bear. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the end of this movie, I feel like it got to a point, this would probably be my, like, only really complaint with it, is it got to a point where I was kind of just like, all right, like, we'll wrap it up. But the ending scene is probably the best ending scene in any movie ever, with the band playing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so fucking random.
3: (laughs) I also like the fact that at the end, Sweet Lou walks in, and he thinks that he totally, like, survived this fucking apocalypse, and then he just gets shot to shit. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) down. he did, too. Like, they just unloaded, like, everything they had on him. He was so, like... Because you could tell that he was, like he was, like, scared, and he's, like, going through it, and you can tell that he's, like, oh, my God, like, everybody's dead. And then he kind of hits this, like, psychotic break where he just starts, like, laughing, and he's, like, I survived! And then they're, like, yeah, nah, not today.
1: That guy was, um, self-absorbed and a prick. He's sweet, Lou. No, but he was, he was. <laughs> I don't know if That's it... <laughs> the only reason he was happy. Yeah. He didn't care that anybody no. else died. He was I don't know happy. if it was He was, was always worried
2: about himself.
0: I don't know if it was intentional, but when he was like, I'm leaving and shit, and he's like grabbing the beer out of the fridge, there's a big box on top of the fridge that said like, arrogant bastard, (laughs) like arrogant bastard ale. I thought that was pretty funny. That is cool.
1: He is an arrogant bastard.
0: I do want to ask you a question, Sierra, and I didn't ask you when we were watching it because I was curious and I wanted to save it. When we were watching it, you said, this movie would have been better if it was a murder movie, and I want to know what you meant. What did you envision in the movie?
1: I don't like flesh-eating diseases. I don't find them scary. I don't find them creepy. I don't find them interesting. So the plot line of the movie would have been cool if there was a murderer killing them off opposed to a flesh-eating disease. I don't, I, I, I don't personally think this movie's great. I'm not like, oh, my God. I think, honestly, I think the only thing it has for me is that I watched it when I was younger, so it's like, oh, yeah, I saw that when I was a kid. Not like a kid-kid, kid, but like younger. Thing? Yeah, it has yeah. like a nostalgic thing. It's like probably a good shorter horror movie for people of our age. It's probably a, lo- a movie that a lot of us saw when we were younger. I don't think it's great, and I think that its only real following is a cult following of people who saw it when they were younger and still watch it. I don't think it's that good of a movie. But I do like Eli Roth as a director. I just don't think... I think it's his first movie, and I think it's as good as a first movie would be.
0: You actually made that comment, too, when we were watching it, like, h- halfway through the movie. You are like, this was his first movie, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, it was.
2: <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere. Um, what I got to give credit for is I don't think there were many movies out at the time, it, it, as far as horror, where it focused, like, so much on a virus mm-hmm. as, like, the main threat. And I guess it was just interesting to, like, it definitely had the potential to be your typical slasher a bunch of teens of the woods in a cabin but it's like you know what he just went for it and took a different route and i like i said man he like when you think of like a nasty virus you think of like the grossest shit sometimes especially when you're like really sick and he Is definitely that brought got? that out <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i'm going through right now Steve upper Kevin respiratory Fever. virus
0: i kind of yep. like the uh i kind of like that they made it A virus, but it wasn't like a zombie virus because
2: yeah, it was just like your typical like or not your typical but your typical flesh eating virus virus. yeah
1: yeah Yeah. that that's honestly I didn't like that so also
2: exposing like it contaminating the water like we look at water as a main life source and when you take away something like that it just makes the situation even worse and what's what's crazy is like they don't know it. We know their water's contaminated, so when we watch them, you know, every time, like you said, guys, when someone would drink the water and the dramatic music came up, it just, like, it just added to that effect, like, that we knew...
0: I was really pulling so, for the uh, the two guys too with their bet, telling to only drink beer for the whole weekend. I was like, "Oh, they'll be good." Yeah. And then I love when the one guy does eventually drink the water, and it's such a like it's such a like crazy moment. Like everybody's arguing and fighting, and the girl's dying in the shed and stuff. And Ryder Strong's character is instantly like, "Oh, you just lost the bet, by the way." Like
3: <laughs> that's yep. what he's thinking.
1: Of. <laughs> I think it's a bummer that they don't know that the water is con- contaminated because the town people at the end. Thought that they took care of the virus by burning the bodies at the cabin, but their water's contaminated. Everybody's infected in that town.
0: Well, that's what led up to the second one, which I haven't watched the second one. I've heard that it's absolutely terrible. It was actually directed by Ty West. and Really? Yeah, it was directed by Ty West, but he made the film, and I guess... The, whoever edited the film and the producers and everything changed it so much that it was completely different <laughs> from the film that he had made to the point where he demanded that they take his name off of the film because he didn't want to be associated with it whatsoever. And I'm pretty sure they refused to do that, so he really wasn't happy with it. I would like you know to what? see like a director's version, like a director's cut of that movie, but... From what I've seen of it, like trailers and clips and stuff, it doesn't really look all that great.
2: Honestly, Lucho Fulci went through the same thing with a... They actually have a Zombie 3. Oh. And, uh And he was, again, like, he wanted his name removed because of the same thing the producers and the editors completely, like, changed up the movie. And he was like, this is not what, like, I envisioned and I wanted the movie to turn out to be. And he, he like tried all that he could do to get his name removed but no matter what it's still slapped on there directed by Lucio Pulci. Well, I think and anytime someone mentioned it he would just be like oh, I don't even talk about it.
0: I think it's interesting too because um, I believe they aven- they originally wanted Eli Roth to do the sequel. I'm not sure what happened to where he didn't, but I think it's interesting because uh, the Sacrament, which we covered in a past episode, was directed by Ty West and produced by Eli Roth. But Eli Roth told Ty West, I'm giving you complete creative control of this. I'm only producing the movie. Like, anything you want to do with it, it's your vision. I'm not going to change that. And I wonder if that had something to do with the fact that Ty West went through so much shit with Cabin Fever 2. I think that Ty West's
1: line probably. of work has prove that he's a different director. I think that regardless of if his name is on a movie that he feels is not that great, I think he's proved himself in his past Yeah, his that
3: he's work uh, that,
1: came above that after you know how much we love Ty West.
0: Yeah. All those all those indie directors, like the indie horror directors, I love their work and I think that's why I love Eli Roth because he's more mainstream, but I still would consider him an indie filmmaker. Because he
1: started out as an indie. Yeah,
2: because like, Clown wasn't really a major film. You know, it wasn't released in theaters. It was more or less like I feel like that's an independent film. Yeah. To look at it. Yeah,
0: I mean, he still makes independent movies, but he does make those movies that get big. Like Hostel is huge. Cabin oh, yeah, Fever. Yeah, Cabin Fever is a. Very popular movie, the Green Inferno. The Green Inferno, which came out in theaters like last year, two two years ago, it it was a huge thing when Universal it came out. New York, yeah,
2: definitely. But I feel like he bridges the gap between like indie and yeah. and like major exactly. filmmaking. Like he wants to be that, that can middle see person. His
1: influence too in indie horror movie filmmakers mm-hmm. because they all work with him. Yeah, not yeah. all of them, but like our favorite three.
0: Well, if you if you look at movies that he's produced, like. He's involved in a lot of really good movies, and it's I don't know. it's nice to see a director that kind of... He's versatile. Yeah. Yeah. In
3: horror. Mm-hmm.
0: I really don't have too much more to say about Cabin Fever. I don't know about you guys.
3: No, I think we covered a good amount of it. Yeah. I'm ready to move on to ratings. I. Cool.
1: Rating!
2: Sierra, go first.
1: Three. The acting wasn't good. I didn't like the storyline. I hate flesh eating diseases. The hobo bothered me. I hate when people <laughs> make hobo. dogs seem vicious. That cop was totally unbelievable.
0: <laughs> they Winston. drank too much. <laughs> they I drank know. too
2: much? That's a complaint? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a party. <laughs>
3: Come on, you're the party man. The party man.
1: Their truck was ugly.
3: We're going to party so was Whoa, that, was a, so that was a pop-top Bronco. How <laughs> the
0: hell? I like
1: Broncos. I don't like the paint job.
0: Okay, so okay. you're gonna, you're only giving us three?
1: Mainly because of the Broncos paint job.
2: Okay. All right. <laughs> Steven? All right. Sarah, I'm going to be polar opposite of you, but that's all good. Um... I I enjoyed the acting. I thought the characters uh, were a great pick. And uh, they were definitely all familiar faces. I thought, like, when the movie had its comedic moments, it definitely shined. But when it was time to be a horror movie, it definitely shined. shined. And, (laughs) like, there were some repulsive, disgusting scenes. And uh, I I just, I loved it. And also, uh, the cop, Winston, he was just so random, but... (laughs) Uh, just so funny and enjoyable on screen for me. Like, every time he was on screen, I would just, like, instantly, like, he wouldn't even have to say anything. I would start laughing. And I I noticed uh, he was actually in another movie called 2001 Maniacs uh, that has Robert Englund in it as well. And I've grown to really like that movie, so it was nice to see his face uh, in an Eli Roth film. So overall, it was something different at its time. And uh, I think Eli Roth, uh, you know, it was his first big break of the business, so for our first film, it wasn't bad at all, in my opinion, and I'm gonna give this movie a solid seven.
3: Um, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Like I said, it's not the first time I've seen it, so it was actually one that I enjoyed enough to get into a second time and not just, like... Like I still wanted to pay attention to it, so I, I really liked it. Um, Sweet lose in it that gave it like mucho points. Oh hell yeah, grind is amazing. That one of my favorite movies. I'm not even gonna lie to you right now. It's <laughs> a good movie. I I the the acting was a little a little. <coughs> cruddy but i think that's just because we're in 2017 and we've really upped the ante on on acting in a lot of movies so it just reflects its age it's you know it's it's early 90s and or no it came, it was what 90, 2002 2002 so it's still 90s to me i'm sorry <laughs> <sighs> i i don't know like the the acting wasn't it wasn't the greatest so i, I i'm with Sierra on that one but it wasn't horrible either um, I think for Eli Roth's first, first movie, I, I think he, I think he did an excellent job. I mean, I don't mind the flesh eating virus. I, I think that the um, the gore was was on point. I don't think it was cheesy. I think it was done well, and the effects were really well. I'm pretty sure that fire though was CGI. Did probably. And that kind of tiffed me off a little. <laughs> there was no need for a CGI fire. You're in the middle of the woods. Come on. But I, I thought it was I thought it was shot very well, um, so the the directing was on point, and uh, I think it was a, a decent story. And so for this, I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a six. I really like this
0: movie. Um, like I said, with any of Eli Roth's films, I wouldn't really call any of them a masterpiece, but I think the practical effects were really good. Um, the acting didn't really bother me too much because it just gave me that campy feel campy horror feel um i loved the like i feel like it was the perfect blend of comedy and just straight disgusting horror so um for those reasons i think i'd probably give it a 6.3 so that gives it an average rating of 5.6 i think that's fair so we asked you guys on instagram what you guys would rate this movie and we got some really great responses The average rating from you guys on Instagram is a 7.1%.
1: You know what this is, you know what they're doing to us.
0: So, before we get into The Green Inferno, I do want to say that I don't want to spend the time, although it's definitely going to be mentioned, I don't want to be comparing and contrasting it to Cannibal Holocaust, because I feel like we did that a lot when we did the Cannibal yes, Holocaust episode, yeah, we, we compared it so much yeah. to The Green Inferno, but um, we will say that it was influenced by, the, uh, by Cannibal Holocaust very heavily on Eli Roth's favorite film, so he... Made the movie that he wanted to make, and it had a lot of homages to *Cannibal Holocaust*, including the name *The Green Inferno*, which, which was Diodato's working title for *Cannibal Holocaust*. Um, and it's also, I believe, it's the name that they use in, for the film within the film in *Cannibal*. Yep, the documentary film. Yeah. Yep. So the film follows a group of college activists who go to stop the destroying of the rainforests and. Their plane ends up crashing, and they get held up by this tribe who start cannibalizing, eating them, because they think that the college group is part of the bulldozing crew. And they just start getting eaten one by one.
2: And only one of them gets away, and that happens to be Eli Roth's wife. Yep.
0: she get away. This movie, actually, it was made in 2013. It was slated for release, but... It got delayed. They actually canceled the release completely. They said they had no plans for a DVD or Blu-ray release, video on demand, theater release, because something with the distribution company, they had problems. I want to say it was Anchor Bay, but I could be wrong. Um, Damn. They basically said, we're not going to do it. I don't know what the exact details were. It was a while ago. I did know the details, but it's been too long. But I remember, and Sierra can agree with me on this, how hyped I was in 2013 for this movie and how fucking crushed my soul was when I found out it was canceled. And
1: then you went and saw it in theaters. And then when they released... 2015? Yeah, they
0: released it in theaters eventually in 2015. And I don't know why, but they were like, all right, we're going to release it in theaters. And they showed a Red Band trailer for it and they showed the scene... They released the scene online and it's the one where they killed Jonah. It was the first kill where they like cut out his eyes and his tongue, and they hack up his body and cut his head off. And seeing that, I, I actually I was with Dan at my uh, first apartment, and we're sitting there, and I watched it, and I was like, I don't know if I can go see this movie, and I don't know why, because I, I feel like I've seen a lot worse than this. I definitely have seen a lot worse than this movie, but... I was just like, I can't do it. Like, I can't bring myself to see this movie. And I actually had to convince myself to go see it. And going to see it, that's really the worst scene in the movie. And it really (laughs) wasn't even that bad. But I don't know what it was. But
2: It's kind of interesting that I had that initial reaction um, from you at first. I
0: think it's just cannibalism in general. Like, it's such a taboo thing that seeing anything involved with cannibalism, it just creeps me the fuck out.
2: Yeah, I think I'm just very desensitized. Uh, after watching a lot of Italian horror movies that just, they really uh, pushed the edge almost to an X rating after being heavily edited. But I was I was with you on this, Dylan. I was very heartbroken when they pushed it back, and we're almost not gonna, like, have it put out. Because I remember my cousin Nick and I were really, like, we are really hyped for it because we thought, like, at the time of the release, like, it was gonna shake shit up and, like, a lot of people were gonna be talking about it. So... You know, when it finally came out, I was excited. I saw it in IMAX uh, with my cousin Nick, and uh, it was a bunch of us. I think Dan was there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it was it was just a fun time. I mean, you know, it definitely you could for sure see the influence of Cannibal Holocaust, and again, we're not going to go into detail on that, but it was it was cool to see his like vision on that movie done on like a a bigger scale, mm-hmm. and I thought in that part he did an awesome job. It wasn't, again, with the Red Band trailer. I remember watching that, too, and getting it released. And that really was, like, the worst part of it. Mm -hmm. And I I was hoping, I guess I was hoping for more scenes like that. But it didn't, like, completely ruin the movie for me. One thing I really do like, though, I got to say, is I was watching an interview uh, with Eli Roth. And this was, you know, this movie was made right a year after the whole Coney situation. And he was saying one of the, his big motivators also for making this movie was he was so sick of social justice warriors being online and just everyone like feeling like they had to retweet this or post that because if they didn't, they were like inhumane scumbags. And then he noticed it started to become more of like a trend of, you know, let me see how much fame I can get by doing these like social movements so like their motives weren't really about the movement themselves but just their own personal exposure and that's why he had like these college students go out to the Amazon which have no business being out that deep and to try to uh, you know to so-called make a movement but you notice that the one time that they think they're all cheering and they think that they're so successful is when they're trending. Yeah, and Eli Roth wanted to make really point that out because, you know, there are a lot of people out there. Like, there are people that do things for a good cause, for sure, out of the goodness of their hearts. But there are also plenty of people out there who just do shit because they want the exposure, and they want to be noticed, and they have ulterior motives. And that's another like a main reason why he made this movie.
1: You can tell too that that's a big theme because they even show it when they get there and they chain themselves to the tree and they purposely give her a broken law because her father was a um member of the He was
3: a lawyer for the UN.
1: For the UN. Yeah. So they were like, Oh yeah, shoot her. Her father <laughs> works for the UN. I'd love to see how that ends. And they were doing it for publicity. They put her in a very dangerous position for publicity. It wasn't it had nothing to do with with what they were supposedly trying to save.
0: Yeah, no, and I I think it's interesting that you brought up the whole Coney thing and how Eli Roth was inspired by it because I can see a lot of that in the character of Alejandro because the guy who ran the Coney thing, he turned out to be a fraud, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So the fact that, like you said, Alejandro, like he he really only gets excited when they're <laughs> trending and he even goes on later in the movie to say, oh, this was for nothing. There's another crew coming in, like we really didn't stop anything, so.
2: Yeah, and look at you the piece of shit character he turned out to be.
0: He is so, it was so weird. That that masturbation scene, what, oh, I don't yeah. know
2: what that was about. It was He's, worse is when the guy was choking him and he was just... He kept going. going harder.
3: <laughs> His justification for it was just fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, there was, there was no rhyme or reason for it, and it was just like, he said he was doing it because he was trying to keep a clear head i like, bro, you got your hands down your pants. You're about to get fucking dragged out of that cage. <laughs> and what are you going to do? <laughs> I think, I will
0: say, with this movie, and this is perfect example of it, along with any other Eli Roth movie, I would probably say... He adds a lot of scenes that really just don't fit at all. That scene, the part where the girl's like, I really have to go to the bathroom, and she just starts, like, crapping all over the... Like, there's no reason for it, and it's just kind of thrown in the movie.
3: I think at that point, though, it's more about the shock value, and just adding more of a shock value to the film. I was giggling a minute ago, and Dylan can cut this out, but I'm picturing you and IMAX watching this when the dude from Spy Kids goes to piss in the woods, and there being like a fucking dong on the screen the size of a Buick. Well, it wasn't, it was so much like, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's why I was laughing. Do I have to cut that out? No. Okay.
2: <laughs> Honestly, like, I think the spider fucked me up more than that, because I don't like spiders, and if I had a spider close to my dick... Wait, like so that, Steven, you'd rather look at a dick than a spider? <laughs> I, I understand save.
3: where he's coming from. I like spiders. Like, that's terrifying. <laughs> a dick is predictable. You, can't, you don't know what a spider's going <laughs> You don't know what do. that spider's gonna You're in the Amazon. They could be jumping spiders. <laughs> exactly. Like... As far as, like, familiar
0: faces, I will say, it was funny to see the kid from fucking Spy Kids in the movie. Yeah. Junie. <laughs> Junie. We were making Spy Kids jokes the whole time we were watching it the other oh my night. gosh.
2: I was like, butterfingers. I, I love his de- death, too. Like, it's so... Oh, no, the munchies. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking devour him completely.
0: One thing I like about this movie is the length that they went to for the authenticity of it. Like, they actually went to the Amazon. They actually filmed with this tribe that was there that had never been on camera. They've never acted. The tribe was, like, completely, like, yeah, hell yeah, we'll do it. And some of them even worked with the crew to film the movie. So that was really cool. Um, What was funny was they had never seen a film before. So when Eli Roth was, like, pitching the movie to them and was like we really want to do this with you guys <coughs> they brought in a TV a VCR and Cannibal Holocaust and they showed the cr- the tribe Cannibal Holocaust and they thought it was a comedy and they were hysterically laughing the entire time <laughs>
3: oh my gosh <laughs> I thought that was a crazy thing <laughs> well I, I'm sure to them like never seeing like I, you have to imagine that I guess that at some point there were tribes like that mm-hmm in the Amazon. And I don't, I think we discussed the fact that there aren't any. No, no there's no more cannibalistic tribes um, in the Amazon. So today. I'm sure that by word of mouth and just like it, that spoken kind of history mm-hmm. that they, they knew about that stuff, whether they had once had those, um, had those tendencies, uh, and, or they knew a tribe that had that. So, I mean, for them probably seeing it on film, it probably was funny
0: yeah i I also like to Sarah pointed that out when we were watching it was um when they were cooking the like the people how normal the tribe was acting like it was an everyday thing like all the kids are around watching them cook and like it it was like it was nothing and I,
2: yeah Eli Roth said to them uh when you're during that scene actually he was like act as if you're just cooking in your your your, your kitchen just going about your day. And that's, that's, like, it's very organic, actually. It, how they're just, you know, acting.
0: It is, but it adds a level of, like, creepiness to the movie, I guess, because it's, like, how okay they are with doing that. Yeah. But, I don't know. I feel like, I know I said I didn't want to compare and contrast this to <clears throat> Cannibal Holocaust, but I feel like it did a better job, not a better job of getting the message across, but it got, a similar message across to Cannibal Holocaust, but in a way that was a little more
2: tasteful. Yeah, without crossing the line too much. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. It The way it did in Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I
0: feel like Cannibal Holocaust was just pure shock where this was like, there were some fucked up scenes for sure, but it did do the same.
1: We watched this video on YouTube the other, the other night and it was like um Eli Roth's Top 10 favorite horror movies or cannibal movies and number one was cannibal holocaust and he literally is like talking about it and i thought it was funny because we discussed it on a previous episode and he literally goes yeah animals die in it get the fuck over it like
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and i was like oh my god <laughs> like that's pretty ballsy to say considering that you're a public figure yeah. and like pete is gonna attack your ass
0: I mean, it goes back to, like, what we were talking about before, how you don't... Like, seeing Eli Roth, you don't expect it from him, but it's just funny because he's, like, talking about these cannibal movies, he's like, yeah, there's a part where this guy just gets cut open and eaten, and it's just so crazy and cool, and you're just like, what did
2: he just say? (laughs) I don't know. There's just something about him and... When he's into something, he just fucking loves it, and he's very passionate about it, and I can't help but admire that about him. Exactly.
0: I think that's why I'm so drawn to him as a director is that he, he admires what he does. The movie itself, like, I, I like the movie. I will say that I enjoyed it more the second time I watched it. I went and saw it in theaters, and I was a little let down. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that a lot of the, like, more gory scenes were given away in the trailer to where you really didn't have anything that you weren't expecting to happen. And they kind of set it up to, like, okay, you know that Justine's gonna escape, and the second time watching it, I did enjoy it a lot more, and even when we watched it again for this episode, I, I will say that I do like it.
3: This was my yeah, first I think- time watching it so it It was was, it was your first time yeah seeing this and i i've never seen cannibal holocaust and i don't know if i can (laughs) i'm just gonna be honest i i'm sure later on down the road i i'll get ballsy enough to do it but i that was i the cannibal problem the cannibal thing it doesn't bother me at all It's the other aspects of that. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, I think I would, like, this, like, I would rather, I'd rather see, like, a a tribe of people eating humans than have to think about, like, Jeffrey Dahmer eating humans. (laughs) Like, this, this does less, like... This is less of a shock factor for me than like true crime cannibals. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, well,
1: it's because it's a society. It thing. is,
3: and it's like it's their, you know, it's their, um, their beliefs and like their heritage, and, and a lot of tribes they they did it because it was, you know, consuming uh, the the spirit of their ancestors or consuming, uh, you know, the spirits of of. Um, they're enemies and stuff like that, so there there's meaning behind it and it's not just because you got bored at a bar and you brought somebody home and you're like, "I need a snack <laughs> so <laughs> it, it it's definitely um it's it's it was definitely a really interesting movie for me to see and i I thought that it again it was it was filmed so well in my opinion and I, I thought that the the kill scenes, again, were extremely believable. The plane crash was probably one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just, everybody, when the guy runs into the friggin' blade on the plane. Oh, God. <laughs> that, like, you just heard it. And you, you like, it, it, I don't know what he used to do the sound of the sound effect for that, but you can hear blades hitting bones, and it was just like. Well, you even, re-
0: like, your reaction when that part came on, <laughs> you were instantly like, yes! And I <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the only time I've ever seen,
3: like, <laughs> I, I love that part like that was that was my favorite part in the whole movie and um like the whole like the I think it was a tree branch that came through the window of the plane and like got the one girl in the face mm-hmm. and you know like the, the plane crashes and they're all in shock and then they get darted <laughs> so like it, the I, I imagine they probably were pretty fucking gamey they were eating them I'm just gonna say that you know the adrenaline's pumping they're probably <laughs> a little chewy no. That's why the guy was that's why the yeah, guy was jerking stupid. it his yeah. adrenaline down um I, I
0: will say that I it sucks the language barrier because if these people were able to understand the the group that was getting in the college group they would be able to say we're not with the bulldozer people we actually were here to stop them and then the tribe probably would have been cool with them but
1: well see that's where the activists were idiots because they should have had somebody who was like a translator, that that yeah, that language. Because I think that would be a standard thought in going into a place like that.
3: I wish there would have been, um, like, some some real like subtitles. Yes, for the people. Because I would you know have loved to right know next? their train of thought while they're like they're like cutting these people. You know what I mean? I'm kind of glad
0: that they. Didn't
3: didn't do that because i thought it
0: added to the creepiness like when they like when the group first gets to the papaya. the uh, tribe papaya yeah when the group <laughs> first gets to the tribe and they're, like, kind of... You don't know... I mean, we know what to expect, but they don't know what to expect. And the group's talking back and forth, and, like, they're smiling, and then the uh, the college group is like, Oh, okay, yeah, we're good. And then they just go full-on fucking brutal. And I'm glad that it had that barrier to where you don't know what they're about to do or what they're about to say to each other.
3: So I can see that, yeah. I definitely... I think that... You, for me, I would have liked to see it because I, I like I like to know characters, kind of like, where their mindset is when they're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I would have liked to see the subtitles, but I also see where, what Dylan's Dylan saying, and I can see where that definitely would have taken away from the film and kind of taken that, that shock value away. So, I think it's got its pros and its cons, but I think it was done very well. I really liked, and I, this, I'm going to sound like a sick fuck for saying this, mm-hmm. but I, I really liked how they kind of, uh, with Justine's character, how they they were preparing her to to basically like she was a virgin. So they were they were like preparing her the same way that they would prepare their their own virgins in their tribes. So it almost kind of like it set the ground for you kind of to get the idea that she was going to escape. But in the same sense, he could have taken that, like, totally different and shown you what happened to her. Because I definitely got the vibe that she was not going to be eaten.
0: Yeah, Sierra said that, too, while we were watching it. was, like, what exactly are they planning to do with Justine? Because they're not doing this with anybody else. And I know because nobody else was a virgin, but, like, if they were planning to eat her, they wouldn't have been
1: preparing that her. that way. Yeah. They were doing what they do to their... Their girls when they come of age they mutilate them in a way which is why this movie <coughs> felt a little more okay than Cannibal Holocaust because this did not show any of that it hinted to it it told you probably it's gonna happen but at the end of the day they didn't show it and I feel like that was probably a better decision.
3: I liked the I like the irony in this, in the fact that in the beginning of the movie, she's in a, a some sort of like feminist study class, and they're going over the whole um, genital mutilation and how it's you know it's very acceptable in a lot of countries, and that was like a subject, a, a topic to her, and it, it it was a topic to her that really caught her attention and kind of put her in the mindset of you know, this is something that I, I'm very much against. And this is, that was kind of like, like, I think that, I I think that a lot of, all the characters had that, that one, that one thing that they were really like opposed Mm -hmm. and that they were really trying to like be an activist for. And while the group that she went with were, they were activists for um, the destruction of like the rainforest she she kind of was like scoffing at them in the beginning of the movie. Like, you know, they were waking her up. She could hear them like chanting and carrying on outside her dorm room. She was really agitated by them. And, you know, and then it, it shows her in class and she's in this feminist study class, and you can see that she's she's genuinely upset by the concept of um female circumcision and and what they're talking about, and she's just like that was her her thing to be an activist for. So I think it was very interesting that she went to the rainforest with this group of people to, you know, to be an activist with a group that was going to protect the rainforest. And here she is in a position where she's just about to endure the one thing that really set her off. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a it, that was just an interesting point of view for me, and just kind of seeing how that that played out.
1: I also want to talk about the end of the movie when she got back. They're asking her, you know, we've heard that that tribe is cannibalistic. Did you see anything of that sort? And she's like, No, they were nothing but friendly and kind to me. I'm trying to figure out why she lied.
0: I think it's because I... she knew that the group that was going there was. She knew that the tribe was doing it because they were protecting their home. Because like in the earlier in the movie they had like I said, like if the if the college kids were able to portray, like, oh, we aren't from the bulldozing crew, I don't think it would have went down the way that it did. So I'm thinking that maybe because she knew that if she said yeah, they killed and ate everybody she knew that they were just gonna go in and And gun these people down yeah yeah.
3: i think it could have been one of two things though i think it could have been what you said or it could have been because the very last uh, like it's like a a cut after part of the credits she gets a phone call from alejandro's sister and she's like you know we saw this um the satellite picture and it's a picture of my brother and we need to talk so uh, another part of me was thinking you know she's been through a lot and it, it goes back to like a self preservation thing. Like, is she scared that they're going to go there and he's still going to be alive and she's going to get in trouble for for lying and saying that they were dead? Or that's true too. You know, so I think I think it could have it could have gone either way. And I mean, it left a lot of I I don't want to say it, but I feel like it left room open for a sequel. They're working on a sequel. Well, damn! Look at that. Called Beyond
0: the Green Inferno. All right, you guys want to get into ratings? Yeah. Sure.
3: Sarah?
1: Uh, seven. I like cannibals. I thought the acting was better in this movie. Um, there was a lot of interesting scenes. I like the tribe. I thought they were really interesting. A shout out to homegirl that uh cut uh, J- Justine down from her little preparation table there. Yeah. Home, shout out to that homegirl and the flute playing and all that. I just thought it was an interesting movie. The plot line was interesting. And um, I think think overall it was fun.
2: Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 7.5. I thought it was a pretty solid um, re-envision of Cannibal Holocaust on Eli Roth's end. Watching it a second time, I have a new appreciation for it now that I realize one of the main reasons why Eli Roth also made this film was to kind of shit on the the internet social justice warriors who are kind of in it for the wrong reasons and just want to be noticed uh, online. Uh, you know, just keeping that in mind when I watched it the second time, I really started to see it more. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'm kind of happy he took a jab at that. I just wish there was more shocking scenes than, uh, like, in the Red Band trailer when Jonah gets hacked up. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were some awesome kill scenes, but they just weren't as shocking as that one, and uh, knowing the sick mind of Eli Roth, I definitely feel felt like he could have pushed it a little bit more in some of the scenes, but overall, it was a solid movie, and uh, I did enjoy it uh, quite a bit, and uh, appreciate the reasons behind the making of this film, and happy that it finally had a chance to make it to the big screen.
3: Um, I really like this movie. I thought it was um, it was really it was really well done. Um, I thought the acting was really good. I thought that the way it was filmed was really good. Overall, I just think it was it was a, a well-executed movie. Um, I'm basing that off of just seeing this movie and not seeing *Cannibal Holocaust*, so I don't have that that comparison to to say you know was it a better version of this or, or not, but. I think that for what it was, it, it's a solid movie. I absolutely loved the plane blade scene. <laughs> um, I thought that was awesome. The kill scenes were really good. I thought that uh, while the the hacking apart of Jonah was really graphic and brutal, I I still think that it was very artistically done. And I can appreciate that. So, I overall, I just think it was a solid movie. So, I'm going to give it a. I'm going to give it a seven point seven five. Again, with the skateboard deck sizes.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed this movie. Like I said before, I enjoyed it better a second time watching. Um, like you said, Stephen, I'm really glad that we were eventually able to see the film. I will agree with you also that I think that with eli roth's creative mind he could have maybe thought of some more creative ways to carry out some of the, the things that he had carried out in the film but overall i enjoyed it i think i would give it a i think a seven's fair average rating is a 7.3 uh we got a lot of feedback on instagram for this movie more than the other two um and their average rating was actually also a 7.3 so, I think overall, Ice.
3: very, very accurate ratings in yeah. this movie. I thought you guys left.
0: Who made you breakfast?
3: I'm not hungry. We can forget this
2: habit. I made a mistake. Go! I'm calling the please. <laughs>
0: Cheating, Evan. Cheating, Evan, who? Cheating eventually gets you killed. You've been a bad boy. Your family are victims of your perverted behavior. This is what happens when you break the rules, Evan. We have to punish you. I want to play
2: hide and seek. Evan. Ready or not, here
1: we go. You came out to me. What was I supposed to do?
0: (laughs) I'm glad we knocked on your door finishing off we're gonna go over knock knock uh the movie was released in 2015 i don't believe it got a theatrical release i think it was just a straight to video on demand and dvd film like i said earlier in the episode it wasn't really we had a lot of debate on whether it was horror or i think not. it was
3: like a thriller or something i actually or something. read online that it's actual like categorization for what genre it was was uh erotic horror thriller. Yeah, I, think, I think it's what I read Wars online. It was an erotic horror thriller. Okay, <laughs> so um. there you go. <clears throat>
0: like I said, I feel like Hostel would have fit a little better in the horror category, but I do want to focus on Hostel for its own episode. And I would kind of say that this is thriller or horror and thriller because it.
1: If you were in that situation, you'd be scared shitless.
0: Yeah, and I think it. I thought it was a really interesting take on a home invasion because, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought it was pretty unique how they did it. Uh, the movie focuses on Keanu Reeves' character Evan. His wife and kids go away for the weekend, and he gets a knock on his door from two girls who say they're looking for a party. They seduce him and torture him the next day for cheating on his wife.
1: We are not on Keanu's side.
0: Okay. So, not saying I'm on Keanu's side, but what I think makes this movie interesting is you don't really know who to side with because both characters are kind of fucked up. Yeah, Keanu's fucked up for cheating on his wife. These girls are fucked up for all the shit that they do in the movie, so it's like you don't really know who to root for in the movie.
1: I feel like out of the options, Keanu is a lot less fucked up than the two girls torturing him. But they didn't kill him. They, they just posted it on their Facebook.
0: And I kind of like that they didn't kill him. How they like wed him on the whole night, like they were gonna kill him, and then at the end, I love my favorite scene in the movie is at the end where they say like we're gonna go do this again, uh, and they'll say yes. They always say yes. You're not special. You're just like the rest of them. I thought that was really interesting. I think
1: the the line in that that I really loved, and it really made me sad. Was we thought you were gonna be the one to say no?
0: Yeah, and he is. He's very like pushing them away when they first come on to him. And
1: okay, technically, yes, he was flirting with those girls that whole time, and that's disrespectful. I will say
0: there might have been some flirting, but you know, every time that
1: they... oh, sir, can I take all my clothes off? Free pizza, Sierra. Free pizza. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> no,
0: okay. Like, well, no, listen.
1: So the girls were. The girls Hands were down. flirting. No, listen. Wait, hold on. Hold on. If Dylan called me and was like, there's these two girls at the house. They asked if they could take their clothes off. I said, sure. I'd be like, uh-uh, no, bitch. Get them the fuck out of my house. Like, right, but at the same
0: at the same time... Anytime they started coming on to him, he would get up, walk to the other side and of the room as them. And then continue flirting with them. He wasn't flirting with them. He'd start no. talking to them. He'd he say, was making
3: small talk.
0: He was talk. he was, small talk. He he was, was waiting talking. for the
3: Uber. I'm in defense with the guys on this one. I'm sorry. He was yeah, talking. He, he talked about his wife
0: most of the time. He's like, check out her her artwork. Like she's very talented. I'm a very lucky guy. Like he would walk away and be like, so what do you guys do for a living? So where are you based of So
1: thing in the movie. It starts from the beginning. His wife says it. Looks at him and says, You know you were floating with that girl at that place. You're always floating with girls. Like, he is. He's a, he's a flirtatious man. He flirted with her. I don't
0: know, I'm going to disagree that he was flirting with them, but... I'm Same. sorry.
1: I, like, No, I'm sorry. The moment that he started to be like... I used to be a DJ. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And he just kept, he's like, yeah, let me, like, put on some music. You're flirting. You are trying to relive your glory years. Grow up, old man.
0: So the movie was based, it's actually an official remake of a 1977 movie called Death Game. And that movie is starring Colleen Camp and Sandra Locke, who actually helped produce this movie, which I thought was that's really great. cool. I will say there are some very awkward scenes to watch in this movie. Most specifically...
1: The rape scene? Yeah. The daddy scene?
3: The daddy scene. Yeah, that was disturbing as fuck.
1: I'm sorry, there's people on Facebook all the time that refer to their boyfriends as daddy.
3: <sighs> it, yeah, <laughs> it just gives you? me the fucking
1: <laughs> noise. What the fuck is wrong with you?
0: You freak? Well, the whole story she tells, too, I think it's interesting because by the end of the movie, they've made so much stuff up. Like, you don't know what they made up. You don't know real. how
3: old they are. You don't know,
0: like. Well, they say at the end of the, at the movie, end, yeah. But they kind psychologically. of Psychologically. Yes, they psychologically fuck with him the that, entire the thing night. that
1: bothered me, though, and this is an Evan's defense, he did screw them. If you're going to post a video on Facebook, to make him look bad, do the one where he was willing to screw you, not the one where you raped him. But
0: you can't really tell in the video, and I think that's why they were, like, whatever. She legitimately
1: it. tied him to a bed, and, like, she raped him.
3: Yeah, Yeah, but I think a lot of guys are into getting tied to a bed, so I can't really <laughs> yeah. see that as an argument. Yeah,
1: but he did get raped. Like, he, at that point, he was like, no, 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 we're not doing this, no.
0: I love the part before they, like, when they first get there, and they make a comment like, oh, I can't believe you just let two strangers in your house. And he says, like, oh, I think I could take both of you. And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, I don't
3: know about that. And I was, like, after they fuck with him as bad as they do... You should have listened. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that his hiding place for the gun was pretty fucking genius. Like, for somebody who it, it lives at home and has small children yet wants to keep some sort of weapon in their house in case, you know, of something like this where there's a home you know, invasion. You two women
1: try to rape you. Yeah, you know,
3: when two college girls break into your house and... We'll leave it at that. Anyway, he had, like, a pot, and it was, like, a complete... It was, like, a ball, really, and there was a gun on the inside, and the only way to get the gun out was to smash it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: I'm gonna say the true victim is this wife's art. All of it
0: destroyed. The girls in the movie, Belle and Genesis... They start destroying the house, and on top of that, they're destroying his wife's art and like writing the all whole over it. They're supposedly doing it exactly. The whole reason that they're messing with Evan is because like you cheated on your wife, and she doesn't deserve that. Your family doesn't deserve that. Yet, You're
3: destroying all of her art. Draw- well, they destroyed the kids' stuff too. Yeah. like they were destroying the children's rooms and like. Did they
1: ever reveal? Did they ever reveal who Robbie was?
0: No, okay. So, Stephen, I don't know if you caught it, but there's a line in the movie after they kill um, Lewis? Lewis. After they kill Lewis, which, by the way, is Jonah from the Green
3: Inferno. Yep. I didn't recognize. And him. Eli's Ra- Eli Eli Roth's wife is um, Genesis.
0: Yeah, Eli Roth's wife is Genesis, and his and um, Keanu Reeves' wife in the movie plays Alejandro's girlfriend in the Green Inferno. Yep. After they kill Lewis and they paper mache his body, paint it, and they're loading it in the truck the girls make a comment, and they're like, oh, Robbie's gonna have a field day with this one, and they're like, oh, he can make a body disappear, no problem. And it kind of, like, they don't explain it at all after that.
2: Yeah, you, I, that was, and that's the only time that they mention yeah. who Robbie is, or, like, you know.
0: I I read it, I looked into it online, because I was like, who the fuck is Robbie? Like, did I miss something in this movie? And from what people are saying online is, like, they think it was put in there to kind of just give a notion that these you girls have, have done it. Bef- These girls have done it before. Like they have somebody that gets rid of bodies for them, so gotcha. they've killed before. But
2: uh, <laughs> I mean, they definitely know what they're doing. Uh, you know, you could tell it's definitely not their first time. Even before they reveal it, like the way they have everything set up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, you could what? see that the motive was there. Next day,
1: the woman who plays Belle, fucking gorgeous.
2: Oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: like, oh my oh. god, beautiful.
2: Jesus Christ.
0: Right. I think that her and Lorenza Izzo, I think they did a great job in playing crazy. I, I think they did a I think they did great acting. I Okay, I wanna bring this up. Watching it, Keanu Reeves, I was like, his acting is fucking terrible. And then you watch interviews with him and he talks exactly the same as he does in this movie, and you're like, is this just how
3: he is? Okay, so I I said this to Dylan, Steven, so this is the first time you're gonna hear this out of my mouth. This was filmed right after John Wick, and I basically said that this to me was John Wick fan fiction written by the lady who did Fifty Shades of Grey. That's exactly (laughs) how
0: I felt about this movie. Well, the funny thing too is at the end of the movie, they take his dog. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Monkey. Yeah.
1: Isn't that actually Eli Roth's dog?
0: Eli Roth has a dog named Monkey. I don't know if it's the same one that they used in this movie or Um, not, but.
1: Yeah, no, I think that Keanu is not a great actor. I don't think he's ever been a great actor, but he's the one. He is Ted, (laughs) and that's all that matters. I
2: don't know. I beg to differ. uh, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan, and the part where he's tied up, John Wick. John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I fucking love John Wick. Some of Uh, his lines. uh, Some of his
0: lines in this movie, like. Like, when the girl, like, stabs him in the shoulder, and he's like,
2: My surgery! <laughs> I felt like I was... Like, it was hilarious, I'm not even gonna lie on that.
0: Yeah, like, I feel like I could picture his voice acting in a really
3: shitty anime for this movie. (laughs) If you took his lines and put them in a very shitty anime, it would have fit perfectly. Do you know what really, like, so they, like, looking at, like, the set in this movie, they really went out of their way to portray this family as, like, your stereotypical, like, perfect so uncomfortable? family and every family photo was so like, it looked forced and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. like, oh, it was so, like the pictures, like the shot down the hallway and it's like um it's the four family photos and it's like the mom by herself and then it's like him awkwardly holding the dog. Yeah. <laughs> they look like shitty Christmas cards and then like the same pictures like above the bed and they like drew like dicks on it and like blacked out their teeth and stuff and yeah. I'm, like, it, it just kind of... It goes to show, like, the, the mental depravity of the two girls. So, while it was believable, like, their characters... And, like, I could see where, like, Evan's character was was not sure of their age because they, they, act very they shy, acted like. so childish. So, psychologically, I could see where he was just, like, mentally fucked by these girls. Like, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. And I, I'm sure that there was, like, a split, like... A, a long period of time in his head where he was like dude if the, if i survive this am i going to jail for being a, no like, it's death well
2: getting back to what i was saying about his acting before i thought a really good moment was when he was tied up and uh flipping out you know like once they revealed that they were gonna kill him uh he was like you know he was like no you f- literally came in here and you fucked me and like he just starts going off see i like, i i, I was the, the the torture that was built up just finally got released in that
3: moment and I that thought was a piece of speech an yeah. awesome scene yeah.
0: see i i I'm on the other side of that. I like that whole time he was going off on that part. I was just hysterically laughing. I was like, "What is going?" And again, I feel like you could take that. I loved it. I, you could take that dialogue and put it in a shitty anime, and it would have.
2: <laughs> I, I was a, I was a really big fan of that scene. I thought like his delivery was like fucking very good. It was like it showed someone who's just been through so much shit. Out of nowhere, like, what a fucking turn of events, and he finally just cracked.
3: I see where both of you are coming from, because, like, the, like, I can see what Dylan's saying with, like, the, the dialogue itself was very, like, it was very cheesy almost, but when you're looking at it from, like, a psychological perspective, and you're seeing, like, this dude's actual, like, this is his mental break, like, he's been, you know, I, I think there was, it was, like, three o'clock in the morning. By the time that that happened, and he's just, like, this has been going on now for over 24 hours, and he's, like, it, it, it just slipped scripts. It went from, like, this crazy night of, like, hot, crazy sex to now I'm tied up and I'm probably gonna get fucking killed. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you can kind of see he was, like, it... it, it I don't know, like I see where both of you are coming from. The the thing that irked me was the haircut, the bowl cut. That had me dying. <laughs> that had, that was the breaking point for me.
1: I think Genesis was like the ringleader. Oh yeah,
3: I agree on that. Well I even I she...
1: was just there like as like a Lackey,
3: but even with their dialogue, like between Genesis and Bella, like Bella was constantly looking for, she was looking for some sort of uh, approval in what she was doing. It shows it too, I think, when um, when they
0: first tie Evan up, and he's like begging Bella, he's like, "Please let me go. Like you yeah. don't have to do this." And she kind of gives him this look, and Genesis is like, don't listen to anything he says. And all throughout the movie, too, and I caught on to this, the entire time that they're torturing him and fucking with him, he's constantly begging Belle, like, please let me go, Belle. Belle, don't
3: listen to this. I Belle, think it's do-. because he just knew she was a weaker. No, yeah. it's
1: because earlier in the movie, she's like, I love you, Evan. I'm in love with you. I want to be with you. I love you. And I think he took her serious. <laughs> I think that's why he always begged to Bella. Or Belle. I don't think it was... I don't think that was sincere on her part. But I think that he believed her.
0: I could see... I could see both sides. But... As far as filming goes, I really like how it starts the movie going through the house. Like, it starts at the door and then goes to the bedroom. And the end of the movie does the same thing, but you see how destroyed the house is. Like, and they threw in "Where Is My Mind" by the Pixies, which to me, if you yes. throw that, if you throw that song in any movie, you win me over completely.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, the mo- that fucking band is sick, and that song, again, you can't help but think of uh, Fight Club, where yep. all the buildings are exploding. Yep, and it, it is a great way to end a movie. Like, you could literally slap that. Like, let's say the movie sucks. You slap that on the end as, as something's happening at the end, and it's just like, oh, fucking cool. As far as psychological, uh, you know, thriller, it hit the mark. I don't feel that much that it's a horror film. I mean, sure, the situation is horror-like, uh, but it's definitely a thriller in my eyes, a psychological one, definitely neurotic one. But it is an interesting twist on a home invasion. I will agree with you, because... When we typically think about like home invasions and the guy the the movies you guys covered on that earlier episode of home invasions, like that's you know, your typical break in. Whereas these girls were invited in due to their situation and then took advantage once they were invited in and fuck shit up. Whereas like most home invasions it's your typical you know, everyone's asleep or it's late at night and it's a break in.
0: Yeah, well not only that, you know? but normally when I think Like, for the Home Invasion movies that we covered, you have Hush, where it's a guy, like, preying on a weaker girl. You have You're Next, where it's these three guys that are preying on, like, this whole family. Mm -hmm. Where this, it's two very, like, normal-looking girls, and they're going after an adult male. And I thought that that was a very interesting thing, like, an interesting way to go about it, especially... And I think that's why I like the... The line in the beginning where he's like, oh, I think I can take you, and they're like, oh, you sure about that? Because he gets his shit wrecked by these
2: two girls. (laughs) Definitely.
1: I'm gonna give it a 6.8. I liked it. The two girls were badass. They were totally fucked up. He was fucked up. It was a good movie.
2: I am going to give it a 6. I think it's definitely an interesting uh, take on home invasions. And it, you know, like I said, typical male break-in or like some shit like that whereas it's females they've already been invited in they look innocent enough and then everything just gets flipped around does a complete 180 and uh, as far as psychological torture uh, they did a great job of portraying that and I liked how uh, Keanu Reeves' character just mentally broke down in that one scene that I mentioned before um, I just wish like it had more of a horror feel to it I don't know, maybe showing them, maybe a flashback of them actually, like, killing someone or doing something, just to see how maniacal they are and where they got this shit all started, you know, like, what drove them, like, clearly it's the obvious reason, okay, you. it's because you cheated on your wife, but what made them start doing that? I would have liked to maybe see that and maybe it'd be a lot darker, like their backstories. I guess if you want to count it as a psychological thriller, which I look at it as, it definitely did its job. So in a horror rating, I'm going to give it a 6.
3: It was decent. Uh, As far as horror goes, like I said, I I feel that it was more John Wick fan fiction written by the lady who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm sticking to that. I watched that (laughs) Um, movie so i um i, I as was it was a decent yeah I thought it was, it was a decent movie it's not what i was expecting i was i i this was the last movie that um it wasn't the last movie i watched i watched uh cabin fever last last but um you know going from watching green inferno to watching this i was it wasn't what i expected at all especially out of eli rosto's it was interesting to see kind of how his directing has uh, has developed and how talented and multifaceted, I guess, he is as a director. So that was interesting. Um, as far as like a psychological thriller, I, I would have given it a higher rating if that was the, the style of movie we were um, rating. But as far as just giving it a horror rating, I'm going to give it a 5.5. All right. So I'm very torn with my
0: ratings for this episode because I feel like this is the first set of movies that we've covered that I've really had to actually think about what I want to rate each one. Um, and it's hard because I don't want to say I like this more than Cabin Fever, but I don't want to say I like this more than Green Inferno or less than each... Like I don't know where I'm getting with, but I will say that it it is an interesting take on home invasions. I I like some of the dialogue. I liked, whether it was intentional or not, the good laughs that I got out of Keanu Reeves' dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I loved how they just kept him alive at the end and how they revealed, like, we do this constantly and they always say yes and we'll go knock on someone else's door and do the same thing. So... Um, overall, I think I'd probably give it a 6.5. So that gives it an average rating of a 6.2.
3: Which I think is spot on. I think yeah. that's a good rating.
0: Um, we asked you guys on Instagram what you would rate it, and the average rating that we got from you is a 5.5. 5. Yeah, so we're about in the same park. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, you guys can trust our ratings.
3: <laughs> Giving <it> them <laughs> solid ones.
0: All right, so that's going to wrap it up for another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. We want to thank you guys again for listening. Um, Thank you to anyone who contributed a response to our post asking for a rating on the movies that we covered. Uh, As always, we love hearing from you guys. We love hearing your thoughts on the movies that we're going over. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast and our website at horrorhavenmedia.com. Be on the lookout for our episode next week where we'll be covering werewolves in the movies The Howling, Silver Bullet, and An American Werewolf in London. Also, check out our Artist Spotlight episodes that we've put out in the past. Um, Our latest one that we just let out this week is with Nathaniel Ingram of Dark Hill Films about the fan film that they're making as a tribute to Are You Afraid of the Dark? So... We're all really excited for that. Be sure to go check that out and have a good night.